so does Allison and Pronger. And Pronger has a hold of Brown. And now a nice little melee breaks out around the Minnesota goal. All right, I have to confess something. Those were Blue Jackets calls. My guest this week was also the voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that was him calling fights of Sean Pronger and Daryl Sador. Uh, Daryl Sador, obviously a former Blue. That's why I chose that call. The TV calls are much easier to find than radio calls. I did some digging, and uh, it was it was just uh, more accessible. So, thought it still fit. Sean Pronger, Chris Pronger, Daryl Sador, you get the idea. Welcome to the show, folks. This is season six, episode thirty, franchise episode number one thirty three, all time for Let's Go Blues Radio, and of course, this is the seventh episode of the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series. Thanks for joining us, and I got a humdinger of a show for you today. Uh, got to talk with somebody that uh, obviously is very connected to the blues. Uh, very exciting, can't wait to get to that. But first, some house cleaning to take care of. Uh, of course, as I start every show off, I ask you to subscribe to our show on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Plex, whatever platform you use for your podcasts. And of course, you can always listen to us at letsgoblues.com slash radio. That is where every show is posted if you want to get caught up on any of the summer interview series that's happened uh, throughout, well, since the Blues really were out of the playoffs, which was a long time ago now. Of course, on iTunes, give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear, whether it's me, whether it's our usual shows. That's the only way podcasts can really grow at this point is by having people give us the ratings that we deserve. And if you think that we are worthy of more Blues fans listening to the show, please give us a rating. And I say we. Remember, I'm not the only host of this show. Kurt Price, Bill Day, also parts of the show, just not parts of the summer show. So a couple programming notes I wanted to hit on before we get to our interview. First, I do want to apologize for the late release of the last episode with Mr. Blue's Hat of Twitter fame. Couldn't get it out in time. That's the only issue we had, and couldn't get it out last week, so I decided to go ahead and wait a couple days, release it on Monday, and uh, and that's why you're getting two shows this week, because I'm making up for uh, missing a show last week. So hopefully uh, that didn't irk too many people um, for the four people that subscribe to our podcast. So uh, just a little snafu with YouTube. We did the Google Hangout for that. and uh, But we were able to obviously get it figured out and, and get the show up. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, do want to point out there will be no summer interview series next week. I know you're sitting there going, but but Jeff, but Jeff, I, I, I need to hear your voice. Well, you're still going to be able to. Big news. Kurt and Bill are back. Live show this coming Monday to recap the NHL draft and preview the free agency period. 
And as I said, Kurt and Bill will be back with me, so we will have one of our usual, regular shows. And if you've never heard us before, and you started tuning in for the Summer Interview Series, you're in for a humdinger, as you are for today's show. Because uh, Kurt and Bill and I have just wonderful chemistry. I don't know if that's true or not, but... Good to good to have them back. I'm looking forward to getting them back and uh, talking a little blues hockey with my co-hosts. Uh, one more thing of note before we get to the interview. I do want to congratulate Kelly Chase on a wonderful 18 years behind the mic. Uh, Kelly was someone that I knew when I was in the media. Didn't get to talk to him a lot. He was a very busy man, as you can imagine. But uh, always has time for the fans. Always has time for, for aspiring media members for uh, players, young players wanting to get into the game. Uh, So hopefully that'll continue. Well, it will continue. If you know the man, you know that uh, hockey is his life. So uh, very passionate and loyal to the St. Louis Blues. Happy he's still going to be involved in the organization in some way. Uh, And just, again, one of the greatest guys that you'll ever meet if you ever get a chance to meet him. So uh, congrats to Kelly Chase on 18 years behind the mic, and uh, good luck to him in his upcoming endeavors. So along the same lines, Dan P. Kelly, no, 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 not Dan Jr., Uh, his father, the uh, legendary blues broadcaster, Dan Kelly, uh, he was actually Patrick Daniel Kelly, and uh, his son's name reversed, Daniel Patrick Kelly, and that is the man that I interviewed for today's show. So this is a very fun interview. Uh, Got to go over his career. For those that may not remember or maybe too young, he's the former radio voice of the Blues. He was with them from 1997 to 2000. He's the former TV play-by-play man for the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Chicago Blackhawks. Actually the first Blue Jackets TV man uh, in history. So that's a, a pretty nice little mark on his career. He's also the current voice of the Chicago Fire of the MLS, and as I said, he is the son of legendary blues broadcaster Dan Kelly and uh, the brother of current blues TV play-by-play man John Kelly. So we discuss his time with the blues from 97 to 2000. He actually got his job with KMOX as the radio voice right out of college, so that was uh, obviously a very big dream for him. So we got to talk about that a little bit. Uh, talked about him becoming the first TV play-by-play man for the Blue Jackets, his transition to soccer, among other sports, and obviously we talk a lot about his dad and his brother and everything in between. We talk uh, a little MLS even, so a lot of fun to talk to Dan about his time with the Blues and then, as I said, everything else that was discussed with him. So Hope you enjoy this episode. I enjoyed recording it. I think Dan had a good time with the interview as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dan Kelly of the Chicago Fire. This is Jeff with Let's Go Blues Radio, the Talkin' Blues summer interview series. Today I am joined by former blues broadcaster, also the former TV play-by-play voice for the Columbus Blue Jackets and Chicago Blackhawks, currently the voice of the Chicago Fire Soccer Club of the MLS for Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. He's also the son of legendary blues broadcaster Dan Kelly and the younger brother of current blues TV play-by-play man John Kelly. Quite the mouthful, but thanks for coming on, Dan. I appreciate it. 
Hey, it's great to be on, Jeff. It's uh, it's a great time of the year with the World Cup beginning and uh, the Stanley Cup Finals just ending recently. Yeah. yeah so, what is the uh, the World Cup? What, what does that mean for you and and anyone in the MLS? It's it, well, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird because uh, we don't necessarily in, in MLS play on the world schedule like everybody else. So, really, it's just a week and a half break. Um, and actually, uh, the U.S. Open Cup is is a over a hundred year old tournament that involves amateur teams, and I know St. Louis FC has been involved with it as well. I'm actually playing the fire last year, but so they have a tournament game as well next week. So there's really no downtime um, in MLS during the World Cup. So trying to catch as much action as I can here in the next over the next week. So as I said, you kind of come from a family of broadcasters. You're also the nephew of hockey and baseball announcer Hal Kelly. Um, at what age did you realize this is the the career for me and was was it a stipulation in order to be Dan Kelly's son? <laughs> no, I, I guess you know, I always grew up playing hockey so much, and uh, you know I was just like my father, and you know my, probably like my brother as well. I, you know, I was under this idea of hey, I'm going to dream, and I'm going to be an NHL player or play in college. And so once those aspirations came to a realization that that wasn't going to happen, um, you know, I, which was sometime in late high school. Um, you know, when my father had already passed, you, you start thinking about that though, because, uh, you know, it's like that I saw, I was able to travel with him and saw up close what it was, you know, what the job, a lot of it, uh, entails. So I knew I wanted to be around it. That's the next best way to be around it if you can't play the game. So that's when the, uh, the bug got in my, in my head, I'd say, with late high school years. So you said, uh, obviously, your your father died at a, a very young age for you. Um, you, I imagine, you probably remember some of his calls. Um, what what's a moment that you remember from, uh, not just from hearing stories about it, but actually hearing him call a game? Is does there anyone that stands out? Yeah, I'd say for sure, and it's funny because now our director on our broadcast uh, for the Chicago Fire, he was a tape producer. Um, for, for CTV in 1987, the 87 Canada Cup. And to me, that's still some of the most beautiful hockey ever played. Um, you know, and even as good as Gretzky and Lemieux were, the Russians might have been more exciting. And all the games seemed to be 6-5. And, uh, you know, the game-winning goal, actually a guy I worked with on HDNet, Larry Murphy, starts to play. But my, I just have to say my father's call, the 87 Canada Cup, the Gretzky to Lemieux, and just really that entire tournament. Um, it, you know, it, it was just a flawless broadcast, and, and it, it captured just the, the pure magic that hockey was. Now, rounding back a little bit more to you, um, you said you uh, kind of realized uh, after you weren't going to make the NHL that you wanted to be a broadcaster. Uh, so you graduate from Dayton and you return to St. Louis to get the radio voice job uh, in 1997 with the St. Louis Blues. How big of a thrill was that for you? It, it, you know, it, it happened so quick. It was it was an ideal you know an ideal job. Um, it, it it was you know a dream job. And you know I was 23, turning 24 that fall. Um, with limited experience, and and it was in a good way though. It was you know, I think the first uh, the first three years, it was really about a sixty five game package because Ken Wilson would when it was national games would move over and do the radio. So he was kind of eased into it instead of doing the full you know ninety games plus that it can be with playoffs. So it was it was good, and it was a team that I I knew well, an organization I knew well, and uh, you know it was great to be home and. You know, the only thing that kind of pulled me away from St. Louis, of course, is the first thing you, you think about when, when when you get those radio jobs is, okay, well, you know, I'd like to be involved in television. So right. that's, that's, that's what uh, kind of starts to pull you in a different direction. So uh, so from 99, 1997 to, uh, it was uh, 
2000, 1999-2000 season was your last with the Blues, correct? Yes. So you witnessed Brett Hall's last season as a Blue, uh, Pierre Turgeon's big goal against the Coyotes to complete the 3-1 series comeback, the President's Trophy season, so many moments in that short span that you were the radio announcer. Is there one that uh, kind of stands out to you the most? Yeah, I wish I could have. You know, you were asking about a call, and I know I have it some cassette tape buried in my sister's basement probably, <laughs> but the, the Pierre Turgeon goal against Dallas and then Belfort, they ended up losing that series to Dallas, but it was at home, and I, you know, I got to yell out, chaos at Kiel. It was, a, it was a pretty good moment, too, and Pierre Turgeon was one of those guys, all-time good guy that, you know, a lot of people question his his uh, his production in the playoffs. So it was it kind of had a little uh, side angle as well to that little story. But that was that was an incredible team to cover, and you know, of course, that was uh, that was a young Joel Quenville before he uh, he blossomed into the you know the, the repeat champion he has been over the years. Yeah, and, he, and again, you got to kind of jumping forward a little bit. You got to cover him again when you were uh, with the was he with the Chicago Blackhawks when you were uh, when you had moved no. in? Not yet. No, Dennis, yeah, Dennis Savard and Trent Yachty were the coaches when I was there. Okay, well, I'll nix that question. Um, <laughs> uh, so in in the era that you were watching, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, reporting for the Blues on the radio, uh, who was the best player for you kind of just to watch in that era? Uh, I mean, that's a tough question. There were so many. Um, you, you mentioned Brett Hall. I mean, what he did to St. Louis in hockey, he built ice rinks. Um, you know, he's one of the most electric professional athletes I've ever seen and also the most charismatic as well at the same time um, so I, I always think Brett Hall you know was laying the foundation uh, for that for that great great club um, you know a guy like Al McKinnis I mean, you know another guy that's still part of the organization but to see him um, you know he he at the time I was you know, in my 20s, and here he is in his late 30s. He seemed so old at the time, but I know now that doesn't seem so old. But he was such a first-class <laughs> guy, such a first-class guy, and just to watch him shoot the puck and and the way he patrolled back there, and you know, along with Chris Pronger, that was a Norris Trophy, Hart Trophy season. Um, you know, those are those are amazing teams. The late Pavel Dimitra. I mean, you talk about he was he was he was a kid back then, and uh, I, I used to like to call him the slick Slovakian uh, because he was a, he was a slick fella. So, uh, obviously, social media has kind of changed the landscape for what players are allowed to do in public and who they're allowed to hang out with, but things were a little different back in those days. Did you get a chance to really uh, kind of go out with the players and, and hang out with them when you were reporting for them? Um, you know, we'd bump into them a few times. That uh, you, you rarely have nights off in the NHL, especially then, because you'd always be chartering. So those rare nights that you go out after a game um, would be few and far between and but you know something i learned from my brother too as well um you know right from the get-go you know because he was in the american league for a while um but just kind of keep your separation is you know yeah oftentimes yeah you do work for the team um but you're not a player um so i, I i've always kind of just tried to to you know follow that rule even even today um you know because i'll talk to those guys enough for for research and game prep and whatnot and just kind of in social scenes and whatnot, unless it's a golf tournament or something for charity, you know, just kind of leave them alone and, and let them be. So, uh, again, you, you mentioned this earlier, but you left the Blues to become uh, what I imagine was a dream for you, the first play-by-play -play man uh, for the TV broadcast for the Columbus Blue Jackets, as that was their first season. How did that job come about for you? Was that something you had to apply for? Were they seeking you out? How did that work? Um, yeah, no, I, I guess... Uh... You know, Doug McLean, I had known a little bit. Um, 
from, you know, he was used to be the assistant coach in, in uh, the late 80s for the St. Louis Blues. So I actually uh, ran into him, I think it was at the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, because um, I was doing a Blues preseason game um, or, or, or just along for the ride. And, and just that's where it kind of got started and then sent my stuff to him the following spring, which was in 1999. And um, actually the guy who hired me, Mike Humes, is uh, you know it's a small world at times he was a tough boss too but he eventually was you know circled around and he hired me to broadcast for the chicago fire back in 2010 so the sports world is it's big but it's small at the same time so during your time with columbus uh you uh, had won a 2003 midwestern regional emmy for outstanding live sports coverage um would you say that's uh, one of the highest pinnacles of your career uh, no, I mean that was just a you know an award. I think the highest pinnacle of a you know, career is just is just continuing to do it and and to call big games and and to see big moments um, and you know something that I guess has eluded me a little bit earlier in my career is to have consistency. And it's been nice, you know, like the last uh, you know nine seasons I've been with the Chicago Fire Soccer Club and I do a lot of work for the Big Ten Network as well. So that's been nice to have. You know, that I think that's something that you know recently I've kind of held my hat on. Or hung my hat on, I should say. Right. So uh, the 0405 lockout marked the end of your time with the Blue Jackets. Uh, that season, you worked with the Denver Pioneers. You did Broncos halftime coverage. Um, so kind of moved out to the Colorado way. Was that because your brother was there, and, and did you guys were you guys able to kind of hang out a little bit when that happened? No, he had because John had taken a St. Louis job, so he had moved. Um, I just didn't miss him, but. Uh... You know, I, it was a good break because I was doing, you know, high-level hockey during the NHL lockout. Um, so we actually had some eyes on us in Denver because there was no NHL hockey, and that was a national championship team. And the following uh, year, um, it's based and headquartered outside of Colorado, but, uh, you know, weeks before the season, Jack Edwards uh, came and, and didn't come to an agreement with HDNet to do their NHL package. So that's where I landed, and that was, that was an amazing year. And that's actually where I first started to do soccer because – they had a sub for their broadcasters during the World Cup because they were working for ESPN, Glenn Davis at the time. But to do the HDNet package, I think it was about a 60-game package that year, and, and no one had knew about Sidney Crosby yet, or at least TV executives. And Mark Cuban, um, to, to, you know, to credit him, he, he jumped all over that schedule. And I, I think we did Ovechkin and Crosby. We must have done 20 games. I got to call Crosby's first goal um, against Boston. So that, that that was actually you talk about pinnacles. That was that was kind of a, a you know a, one of the highlights I'd say of my my broadcast career that year. So you mentioned that you kind of switched to soccer. You started doing halftime reporting. Um, so th- being a hockey guy, and I know going to Dayton, I'm sure you you studied everything. But was that a hard transition from you to to switch over to other sports from hockey? It, uh, you know, it, it was at first, um, but I, soccer, I guess, it came easier than I thought, just because there's so many similarities to hockey. Um, you know, I grew up around the game a little bit in St. Louis, um, but you know, and then also with the, just the explosion of these college sports networks, like Big Ten Network being a pioneer of that, um, having an opportunity to call so many different sports. Um, it, it really, it really helps build your confidence and, and your belief just that, that in your ability to just think that, you know, I can do anything and, and don't be intimidated by it. It's like anything though. Uh, you know, you better prepare and you better be ready. And, and that, that certainly helps you, you get over those initial, um, awkward moments, you know, as you, as you get a, truly get a feel for calling a sport. 
So again, and uh, you you had come over to Chicago and from 06 to 08. Uh, you worked in the booth with Ed Olchek, one of the, uh, I guess, premier analysts in the NHL nowadays. Um, do you still keep in touch with him? Were you talking to him during his cancer scare? And um, what was it like working with someone of his magnitude? It was a great learning experience. I talked to Eddie a little bit still because actually I covered his son, Tommy Olchek, at Penn State. So I would see Eddie at State College because he's such a dedicated father and uh, he along with his wife Diana they would travel and, and we went and watch him play actually around the country not just at Penn State as, as if he doesn't travel enough but you know uh, he, you know Eddie's a character he's you, you know he, he was he that's when his star began to rise and he started to be be versus you know then was called versus their number one analyst um, but He's uh, he's excellent. He's passionate. The biggest thing that, that I learned from from Eddie, I would say, it's a basic thing. But um, you know, if you want to get better as a broadcaster, the, the best thing you can do is to listen to yourself and listen to every minute, every second of your work and critique it. And I know that's something that he always found time to do. And especially for a guy that's doing over a hundred events and has five thousand kids and five thousand banquets to MC, probably, uh, you know, to make to see him that he would do that all the time. That's the you know, that's one of the biggest takeaways I have from working with Eddie. So, again, in 2010, you become the voice of the Chicago Fire. Um, we kind of went over a little bit what the transition was like for you to go from uh, hockey to soccer. But in that time, you're also, you talked about your Big Ten coverage. You've done college basketball, volleyball, field hockey. Um, what, what, in your mind, what's been the hardest sport for you to cover? I would say I don't do much. I don't cover basketball much anymore. I still think I could do a good job doing it, but uh, basketball was the biggest challenge for me, just because that's one sport that I had not watched a ton, and certainly had never really, other than playing a game of horse in someone's backyard. I, I, I'm a bad basketball player, you know. So that that was that was I would say that was a challenge, and especially you know people watch a lot of basketball, and there's knowledgeable people out there. So I, I think that, and you know, it's just, it's so different than. Um, than hockey and another challenge as well is was calling basketball you're calling it off a monitor um which i think if you're familiar with 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 being an experienced play-by-play it's not as difficult i I do a lot of sports off the monitor but but when it's fresh and new like basketball i think that even poses more of a challenge the same thing with volleyball that that was difficult as well because here i am thinking oh i'm a hockey guy you know i cover the fastest sport in the world this won't be a problem and then then the ball starts flying around in volleyball and and you're you're humbled because that game is lightning quick And, and again it's tougher to call off a monitor than than live so, uh, being a guy in Chicago now, St. Louis guy, uh, do you still follow the Blues, or have you uh, switched your allegiance over to Blackhawks? I do want to warn you: be careful with your answer. No, I, uh, no, no, never. Um, you know, I mean, do, with my job, I guess you not in a bad way, but you kind of lose that fan aspect. But right. no, certainly the St. Louis Blues are always near and dear to my heart, especially my brother's connection. Um, you know, they break my mom's heart every year. So, no, that, that's one team. Like, it's, I've, I've lost knowledge of the NHL and, and, and don't really follow it that closely, but I still follow the Blues. And, you know, I'm on the Post-Dispatch website every morning. That's the first place I'll go. So, uh, no, they're, uh, they're, I would still say they're, they're, they're definitely my hockey team. How often do you come home to St. Louis? Uh, you know, not as often as I would like, um, just because it, it, it's, you know, unfortunate to where – for the most part, I'm pretty busy for for 12 months of the year. We certainly have some gaps, but I'd say usually over the holidays and especially Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. But uh, with the soccer schedule, getting home in the summer is, is usually more of a challenge. And our family usually meets up uh, in Canada anyway, so that's where I'll, I'll catch up with family members. So, if you were to have the opportunity to work in the booth 
with your brother, you and John Kelly calling a hockey game, what would that sound like? Uh, that would be cool. Um, the problem is both of us would want to do play by play because that's <laughs> what we're best at. But uh, no, that would be uh, that would be that would be that would be a thrill. There would, uh, you know, but that that would be a. Uh, that that'd be the only problem, I guess. Maybe I, I think I've joked with John before. It'd be fun. Maybe you know he could do the play-by-play for one team, and then you know when the other team gets the puck, then I can take over and do play-by-play. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would be difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially with the fifty-fifty puck, you know, and then you're fighting for the mic. Yep. <laughs> I can see you guys just pulling the mic out of each other's hands. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's scary too. I'm not scary, but his his young son Patrick, who does some soccer broadcasting. Um, is it the St. Louis Ambush that's still playing St. Louis? Um, you know, it's it's not the Ambush anymore. It's the yeah. yeah I should know that. I should know uh, that too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, he's he's a young, talented guy, so he might be uh, he might be the next one on the scene someday. Oh wow! Well, I'll, I'll be looking out for him for sure. Well, uh, well, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you about the old school blues, the blues I grew up with, and then. Uh, just kind of your career as uh, something I've I've kind of followed. I always thought you were you and Chris Kerber was the one that followed you. I thought you guys did a great job on the radio, and um, yeah. So if you want to tell our listeners, um, maybe if they're in the Chicago area, where they can find your broadcasts, and if they're if you're on social media, if there's any way they can interact with you. Yeah, we're our, our Chicago Fire broadcast now. Are actually, they're on ESPN Plus. Um, they moved over from from NBC Chicago, but. I'm always on the Big Ten Network, especially in the in the winter, covering a lot of college hockey and, and different Olympic sports as well. But you know, I'm I'm, a, I, I'm not like a big giant Twitter follower, but I certainly love Twitter and I, I utilize it. So uh, if you ever want to find me, I'm at uh, d kelly underscore twenty one, I believe. So it's uh, all you know to join all those other crazies up there on Twitter, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, I deal with it every day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, Jeff, it was a pleasure talking with you and uh, talking about some good times and good memories. Yeah, you got it. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you. So I again want to thank Dan Kelly for coming on. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, again, if you want to follow him on Twitter, his handle is at Dan Kelly, all one word, underscore 21. Also want to take this time to thank Smash and Gene Ackman, for the use of their song, Let's Go Blues. And of course, a big thanks to the late Johnny Johnson for that fantastic piano solo that uh, you hear every episode. Twitter handles for your hosts. First of all, your show Twitter is at LGB Radio. Make sure you follow that for any updates for the show. At uh, Kurt Price is Kurt Prices. That's Kurt with a C. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. So again, next week we will have a live show this uh, coming Monday with Kurt and Bill making a return. We don't have a time set yet, but we believe it will be 9 o'clock Central Daylight Time on Monday evening. So make sure you tune in for that. And and again, if, if you don't know, you can join us for our shows. We usually open it up to the audience, so... Uh, if you are interested, we'd love to have you on. We're always looking for some new voices. So there will be no summer interview series next week. However, the week after that, I have got a treat for you and a treat for myself. People my age and older might know this man. Anyone younger might not. Zip Zeppa, the former sports anchor of KMOV, will be joining me 
to discuss his time with uh, the news organizations that he worked for, as well as his time after. And of course, we'll discuss the famous Zippo Awards that uh, that ran from the 80s to the 90s in St. Louis. A lot of fun. Definitely want to check that one out in two weeks' time. As I said, next week we have our live show Monday evening. So don't miss either of those. Thanks again to Dan Kelly for coming on again. This was a lot of fun. And I will go ahead and tease the man who succeeded him. He will be joining us soon, too. Mr. Chris Kerber will be joining the show in a couple weeks. So uh, we will discuss the transition of KMOX from Dan Kelly to Chris Kerber, as well as Kerber's new analyst. We'll see if we know who that is at that time. But if not, we'll talk about the search for one. And uh, looking forward to getting that one out there as well. It should be a lot of fun. So thank you to Dan Kelly. Thank you to you for listening. And I will talk to you next week with our live show Monday night of Let's Go Blues Radio.